Son of the Goddess is back. Hooray, he says on iTunes Review. Monty Cast are back and the two boys bickering in a big shed like grumpy fishwives with Heather lost in the middle. Marvellous entertainment. She should put them both on stage as a two-man comedy act and they should be called the Fighting Farm Boys. <laughs> Fighting Farm Boys. Or the Herefordshire Mumblers. <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? Where's this from? Where's this is this, Son uh, of the Goddess. This is the depressed chap on the tube every morning. Do you remember he, he oh, writes okay. this and says, we cheer up a dismal tube journey. So right. he's really coming on because he's, he's actually happy here. Anyway, yeah. carry on with I it. I think you do set these things up, don't you, Hev? In fact, it was probably a sneaky ploy to go into the shed, the barn, which was particularly cold. And it just, was cold. Just put us away, you know, bide your time, stay in the office in the warm for a while, make sure you kind of loiter outside, waiting, waiting, You're waiting. You're good at loitering and So by the time you come out, we're completely fed up anyway, in which case it's like, oh, just throw a bit of bait in and oh, watch the sparks fly. <laughs> do 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 That's terrible, isn't it? do 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 yeah, in I the right I don't know why we, why we put up with anyway, this. Anyway, I'm finished this review. Uh, this is a son of the goddess who was depressed. Look at him, he's totally cheery. Never thought I would know so much about the water content of a grain. And you know what? It was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so much so. Does that mean I'm interesting? No, don't be no, silly, Father. Uh, in fact, I was so engrossed that I did not fall asleep on the train for the first time in five years. Oh, wow. The pod mastery continues. And I think that is worth a round of applause for the son of the goddess staying awake on the train because he was so fed up with it. Ready, team? Well done. The fact that he went to sleep when he got to work is neither here nor there as a result, presumably. So presumably wherever he works and most displeased because he's now fatigued when he gets to work. But I think Herefordshire Mumblers is good. I think that's a good review. I'm, I'm particularly pleased with that review. Nice review. Uh, for those of you that wondered what the strange... Uh, at the beginning of last week's podcast, it was Monty practising his singing. You'll be glad to hear he has not made the choir. <laughs> but he has made the B team of the cricket. Oh, fair play. Mm, there we are. Now, in this week's show, we've got a Montycast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. We've got Terry's veggie tips. Yep. We hear about Richard's lambing. But first off, we've got some feedback from Tim Teague. Tim Teague has a lovely set of proper cattle. Right. Hereford cattle. Okay. In Shropshire. He is a member of FWAG. He was down in Defra giving them earache the other He's day. He's chairman of Shropshire Flag. He's chairman of Shropshire Flag. He's a okay. good old boy. Sounds like a nice chap. But he's put out about... He's a leaf farmer. Yeah. Um, is he organic? I believe he is, actually. I think he, he, his beef goes to Waitrose on a Waitrose contract. And there's a great picture of so him He's an all-round decent farmer, There's a then, big really. stand-up picture of Tim Teague looking proudly upon Have his I pasture. Have I ever met him? Have I met him? I know he's. I think he's on the Facebook. One of my Facebook friends. He is. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever met the chap. I don't know whether you have or not. Oh, I've no. I'm not. I've had no interest in your meetings. Okay. I <laughs> know. Oh, well, that's always the case, isn't it? Hey. Here we go. This is what he says. Rural defence. This is about the set aside podcast. Okay. I enjoyed the podcast, and I feel honoured to be mentioned by name. A point regarding SAS. 
set, set aside. aside. Thank you, as opposed to special air service. That needs to be made loudly by you, Phil, is the total injustice of imposing set-aside on farms that have been in stewardship, having been doing the right thing and have constructively used their least productive areas, for example, your 20 acres. The imposition of set-aside, either voluntary or cross-compliant, is a double whammy to us as we inevitably have to lose more productive land. This then becomes a heavy-handed attempt to get conservation onto farms that are either unsuitable or uninterested at the expense of conservationist types. Quality managed area gets results. Quantity area with a big stick will not. Tell them that from me, Tim. Now, you forwarded this to me, and I just don't know what he's on about, because I don't understand the, the words. Right, I will try and explain. Sorry, Tim. The situation in this country is that there are several different government schemes to encourage farmers or pay farmers to do things for environmental benefit. And that's what he means by stewardship. So we have two schemes. One is called the entry-level scheme, which is the bog-standard one. And then you have the higher-level scheme for which you can do really quite plush capital jobs and get money for, you know, fence your rivers We've off. We've spoken about this. This is that. the schemes that you thought were paying you for not good reasons and decided not to use. Absolutely. I don't you want pers- to do things I don't you personally want to. agree with them. But that's not that I disagree with the conservation aspect, it's I disagree with the government telling me what I'm going to do. However, Tim and a number of other farmers, and and he is in the higher level scheme, which is a whole farm scheme, you can't just say I'm going to do one field here and not there. It takes into account the whole farm and it's quite onerous, you have to work quite hard to get into it. But as he says, essentially what you're doing is taking the most environmentally beneficial bits of land and putting a management regime on them based on environmental benefit so that he won't crop bits or he will restrict the cropping so you might use no nitrogen on bits of unimproved grassland, create flower meadows, have margins and all the rest of it. And so the higher level scheme... You've done that and you're not in the scheme. No, that's right. But if you leave me out of it, he has done it, he's gone through all the thing and he and a number of other farmers have done that. Now because of EEC rules and because they reckon that set-aside has an environmental benefit and I would say that for the most part it doesn't but anyway, they then say they're not allowed to double fund the same piece of ground so that the fields that he set aside as it were under the higher level scheme can't count as ground taken out of production so he has to take more ground out of production and so he loses for doing it right and what is so so just a minute then. So he has taken his farm and say he's got 10% of it now that is out of production. Yep. Which is correct. And, yep. he, and it's, he's got all the marks right for a holistic approach yep. to and the farm. He gets fairly generously paid for doing yep. that. But that's fair enough. You know, he's done quite a lot of work to achieve it. But to then income. impose on that farmer more set aside when it's not needed in that well he's then taking his good productive ground out of production and the result has been that particularly at entry level scheme which is less effort required and less money involved these schemes are in five-year chunks you sign up for five or ten years and you can't come out of it you know you're committed to that length of time 
and the five, first five years of entry-level scheme has just come up. And the majority of people are saying, I'm not going back into that, not while they're hanging set-aside over us. So, is this a farmer film? Da, 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 da. Because I remember many years ago on this podcast discussing whether or not you were going to mm. enter the entry-level scheme and Richard and I encouraging the process because it was a beneficial conservation yeah. process and you saying you'd rather do it and not go it, into the scheme. It's not a So you have gained because you're not in the scheme so you don't have to take the double whammy out of the I have gained, but... It's not a farmer feel near, 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 because as it's turned out, the people who've worked hardest, it takes a lot of effort to do high-level scheme stuff, they will suffer the most. And the true irony of it is, that why are the government, Whitehall Europe, fussed about set-aside, when in a few years' time, you cannot food. find any pundit who will tell you that they won't need every piece of land for food production, notwithstanding having some environmental land put aside so that surely it's better to have the environmental schemes preserve or create the good bits of environmental habitat but having vast acres of as Tim puts it uninteresting land that is just not producing food it has no environmental benefit you know that there is quite a lot of evidence to suggest that if you have a 50 acre field you might have some environmental benefit around the margins but the middle of it is broadly speaking of no environmental consequence. It's just not producing food. Has this been decided or is there a lobbying well, group? Because it seems to me that if you've then done your higher level stewardship scheme, the sensible thing would be that you've got your brownie points, so you should be exempt from the next Exactly. Bit. Well, what Tim, among others, he actually went yesterday to DEFRA as part of a delegation because they're trying to decide whether to impose a fixed rate of set-aside on all of us, which is what Tim et al. are dead against, because that would make them lose out, or they're wondering whether a voluntary set-aside scheme would be more sensible. And obviously the voluntary set-aside scheme would be more sensible, because then people like me who are not in a, a stewardship scheme would say, well, there you are, I've already, I've already volunteered my set-aside, there it is already, thank you very much, I comply. Or Tim would say, I've already volunteered this, that or the other. I'm not expecting any more money for the privilege, but I comply with your requirement not to grow 1.5% or 2% of my arable area because it's already in environmental stewardship. All these things would seem logical, and the worst of it is that next year, if the forecasts for harvest yields this year are proved to be right, next year they'll be clamouring for no set-aside at all because the price of wheat will be skyrocketing again, and they'll be saying, oh, food's too expensive and the stock feed's too expensive, we've got to reduce the price of wheat, and the best way of doing it is to produce more of it. Uh, isn't it, Rich, no wonder that farmers come across as moaning old gits? Because the thing is, if you've done it right and then it still isn't right, yeah. it's depressing. I feel depressed myself. Yeah, it's, I'm going to go on Son of the Goddess's <coughs> train and go to sleep. Yeah, it's a vicious circle, really, because the more difficulties you're faced with, um, the, the more difficult it is to remain upbeat. 
So, uh, so you can you can you can quite see why there's uh, why there's as much moaning as there is amongst the, the, the farming community, and of course then it puts people off a bit, doesn't it? You know, with all that moaning, and, and it's uh, it's a difficult one. But uh, I can appreciate every point that Phil has made there. It's all pretty depressing stuff. It's just, it's just something that we spoke about before: an utter lack of common sense in the administration. It's I such think... a shame because what they've forgotten in sustainability and yeah, having biodiversity is the human is part of it and the human needs food and he needs some pride in his land. And if he can't grow any food, he's not actually called a farmer anymore. You will, I think, see in the not-too-far-distant future, given the current credit crisis and all the rest of it, that governments, not only the British government, are going to be forced to look at delivering value for money for some of the things they do, not just DEFRA, but... You know, over the last week we've had our budget here. There's complete carnage in terms of government expenditure. Oh, he's going off on the government. I'm stopping it. And there's no <laughs> no value for money in what they're doing. So that these schemes, which are government schemes, they're going to have to deliver to the people who pay, i.e. the taxpayer, something that the taxpayer wants for their money. If they don't deliver, they won't be able to do them because they, have, they can't afford it. Yeah. Right, now doesn't Farmer Phil sound like a perfectly decent, upstanding person who really, you know, sort of sensible, don't you think? Sort uh, of sensible. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's go to Monty Cass first because we're going to hear <laughs> what he got up to, up to the mystery? night before last. The Monty Cast, a weekly fact on wiggliness. Every week I fill up 52 feeders with bird food in the Wiggly Garden. Another Montycast next week on the Wiggly Podcast. So then, Hev. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been sat here yeah. waiting with bated breath yeah. for the dirt yeah. on oh-so-sensible farmer Phil. Yeah. So, <laughs> lay on us. Well... <laughs> Farmer Phil set off to the Seed Conference. Right. And it was run by... British Seed Houses at what used to be Iger and is now Ibers. And I, won't even, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's an Institute of Grass and Research at Aberystwyth. It's a very yeah. sensible conference. Oh. It's run by British Seed Houses, sure who are is. on the eighth generation of proprietor. And it was started in 1820 right. in Northern Ireland. OK. Yep. And so uh, off he goes in his truck to Aberystwyth uh-huh. and returns home. Uh, quite, uh, you know, all the pleasantries in place. And I said, how did the conference go over a cup of tea? And he discussed the ins and outs of clover and how he'd learnt the importance of clover, the nitrogen content of clover, etc., yeah. etc. Et you guys have the best conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richard. Nothing else is said. Last evening, we went to go out, and somewhere around Brederdine, four miles from home, he said, ha, 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 a, a little funny incident happened whilst I was away. Right. <laughs> I said, ha, 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 what was that funny incident, Farmer Phil? And he said, for some strange reason, after a night out with the boys, I came back to my hotel room, and the next thing I remember is being outside it. It's being locked with no clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
really? Oh dear. This, I did you, uh, that, I did that's you. not a small incident. Well, I think you'll that find is it. A I think you'll find it is a small stick. incident. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> I have told you, haven't you? <laughs> and so he, he was so he was so trying to make light of it. <laughs> a lifetime so, stick. Yeah. So, so what happened? What happened? What there? happened? Well, apparently. It was completely innocent. He was sleepwalking right. without, without any clothes in on. In the nerd. In the nerd, in the night, and he had to go to the night porter right. in the nerd, in the night, to get his key for his room. <laughs> no way. Which was fine. Do you sleep well, though? Do you sleep well? No. I have, I have no. been known to, but no. uh, what, what made, no, it doesn't. made it chuckle? So, obviously, there is a fairly high level of embarrassment, <laughs> but on the basis... <laughs> There's no solution. You just have to get on with it, don't you? So I get back into the room and look at the clock, and it says five o'clock or you something like that. You not bothered by this. And I think, hmm. oh well. And so the following morning, I go down to breakfast, and one of my colleagues is laughing his head off, and he says, you'll never guess what happened last night. And I said, what? <laughs> Thinking oh, oh, no, what else have I done? <laughs> Only exactly the same thing had happened to one of the other. <laughs> other delegates really but what I don't know having thought about it since is did I approach the night porter first or second (laughs) whatever did he think when he had another one I said does this mean when I stay at hotels every night that I'm there there's two nude men wandering around in the corridor yeah because that quite puts me off they were uh, they were I was there was all sorts of doing things going through my head at night. But, you know, seed conferences and naked men, you know. I'm just thinking, oh, Lord. This is just obviously something. Something was sown. And, uh, and the worst happened. So, anyway. Did you share a room with other, with other no, chaps? No, two right? rooms. Just all, yeah. you know, Just on your own. You, yeah. you've done, Otherwise, you've done I was going to you've gone back door. to your school days, you know, of uh, all sort of running, lads running around together naked in, in dorms and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Rich. Anyway, having had a good chuckle at that, uh, I, I did assemble a little piece of uh, information which I pre-recorded the other day and I think now would be an appropriate time to hear it. But we've always known you as Frugal Fishbourne and I think this might just prove the point. Now, Eric, Eric Goff, who I'm with this morning, you are a long-term, well, you're almost a relative of Ricardo's, but you've known Ricardo uh, some time, and you came up with a little snippet for me a few minutes ago, which I'd like you to share with our listeners. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, R- Richard is almost related. His, his wife, Sarah, and my wife, Karen, are cousins, but I, I, was, I was recounting a time when I visited his, his house, and, and his, his wife, Sarah, had mentioned to us that he had requested that she cuts the kitchen towel into three pieces beyond the the perforated edge because he'd thought that perhaps one piece was just too much to be used and we know he can be a bit tight but but I thought thought that was a little bit extreme to reduce the, the manufacturer's recommended square footage if you like of one piece of kitchen towel into thirds not that I'm saying Ricardo's tight, but here's a bit of evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Rich, I think that is um, 
a oh. silly thing to share because I expect nothing less of you. Yeah, there you are, you see, I don't see, I don't see a problem with that at all. Me. No. So you cut them into four actually, don't you? And I tell you what, I watched the other night, I saw this fab programme with Kirsty Allsop. Yes. Well, it was a moment oh, I turned I on that. and I thought, oh, it was lovely Kirsty, because I yeah. do, I don't Crafty like her. Kirsty's she's, she's home got a definite real craft. warmth about her. Hmm. And, um, and anyway, she was, uh, she was expanding the virtues of um, skip diving. Skip diving. Yeah, she was pulling all this stuff out of skips, you know, and she was asking the uh, the, the people who had set up their skips outside their homes whether she could go and have a look and see what goodies she could find in there and things like that. I thought, fair play, a uh, woman after my own heart. I wonder what you were doing in the garage earlier. <laughs> There's no skips in the garage. There. <laughs> Listen, I want to know about your lambing because last year we heard a bit of a disaster about Ricardo's lambing. It's lambing time. What's the news from Ricardo's folly? Well. It, it's good news this year because uh, I've been getting up and it last, what was it, no, we're in a, a, a week ago, more than a week ago, eight days ago, my friend Richard Wallace came out and he took a look, he took a look at the ewes and he said, they're all pregnant, this one, the, the dark ewe that lost her lambs last year is going to pop within about 48 hours. So ever since then, I've been going to check him <laughs> at midnight Checking them at three o'clock in the morning, and you know, and then obviously has nothing thing. to do with the jip he got last yeah. year. So yeah, well, uh, I just yeah. felt so sad, and listeners will will uh, yeah. listen to that that sad story last year, and I just I understood quite, how quite upset gutted. you were, Rich, as I well. Was upset. Yeah, and uh, it is very upsetting, oddly. So anyway, I, I didn't want that same to happen this year. Yesterday morning, half past nine, the black ewe decided to throw her first lamb. So of course we we told her to run down into the paddock. Sarah was, uh, stuck her head out of uh, the window, screaming, Rich, 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 come on. So uh, we ran down there, and she had her, she had her first lamb. So we picked the little lammy up and took it across into the shed, you know, and the ewe came and sat down. Anyway, you could tell there was another one in there. So uh, and she seemed to perhaps, she sort of fell on her side and whatnot, and she was straight, 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 and she was obviously having problems, you see. So I thought, right, that's it. It was about an hour. I thought, that's enough time. I'm going to get my hand in there and see, and, you know, give it, give it a hand, you know, quite literally. So I, sort of, first, I've never done it before. You know, I've been told how to do it, but I've I've never, I've never even seen it done actually. But I've been told. So I thought, right, you know, take the bull by the horns. So I came or up the to, sheep to by the, the head, as it yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So lovely little you. So I, I put my, uh, put my arm around her, and she knew what was happening. She felt. I mean, I think they probably know, don't they, that you're sort of helping them. And I, so I stuck my hand in there, and I could feel this little nose and the head, quite a big head, you know, and feel one foot. And unfortunately, I couldn't get my hand anywhere else. So I grabbed the one foot and pulled and pulled and pulled, and I was pulling. Gently, so sufficiently enough uh, to help her. You know, I was, I was conscious not them all too <laughs> yeah. hard. And anyway, after a bit of uh, a bit of toing and froing for about ten minutes or something like that, possibly it may have seemed longer. Out came this beautiful little ram lamb and popped down on the floor. And I pulled the stuff off it because she whipped around and started licking all the stuff away from its head and shoulders and things like that. And there they were, a beautiful little pair of lambs. Aww. So she's all happy in the Aww. shed. Nice bit of bonding time in, in the old bonding pen. This morning, another ewe popped out, lovely little ewe lamb. So this morning, first thing, I popped her down into the shed, and, uh, and that would be her first lamb ever. So, uh, so she's down there this morning, so there are two in there, so I've got one to go. So success thus far. So I'm, I'm feeling quite cheerful. I think it's another little round of applause. I'll tell you what, you know, it's one of those, one of those moments of yesterday's lambing, because I had everything there that I love, my, my lovely wife, and when I gazed across the paddock, I could see all the swallows dipping across the paddock, you know, just on that, that nice early grass that's emerging now, and in the background was the cuckoo, and it was the 
best experience, you know. And so it was a wonderful thing. And there was me after the lamb. I sat down in the straw amongst all the sheep poo in the shed, you know, and just looked at this wonderful thing that's kind of uh, emerging around me. And, uh, you know, really, that was one of those moments where you couldn't wish to be anywhere else in the world. Oh! I'm filling up. I'm me. Well enough. How are you, listener? <laughs> oh, Poor old Lord. son of the goddess. <laughs> yeah. This is no, but oddly, Phil, Phil has got a bit teary. <laughs> and I've got a bit teary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Michael, Michael's in floods. Uh, uh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, here you go, read a review. Cheer yourself up, mate. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right, Fred okay, Gray. I've unplugged your computer. Right, Fred yeah. Gray, okay. How I found Wiggly Wigglers. I found their catalogue in my office cupboard. Lost catalogue at hospital and searched for website. The trio are funny, knowledgeable and interesting. Heather laughs a lot, but questions well. <laughs> Richard, <laughs> Richard is better than Bill Oddie with nature and green information. Farmer Phil is the man you want to live next door. No, believe you me, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's just me ad-libbing, sorry. He answers questions and tells of farming and nature. Support is from young Monty and Toast the Dog. I have now been listening for nearly three months and have started catching up on their lives as detailed in podcasts for 2005 and 2006. I might hear them all by Christmas. That's fab. Isn't nice that one. Nice. nice one, Fred. I'm assuming that's your, that's your proper name. Oh, fabulous. Thanks for that. Five star. Thank you very much. Now, before we go, Rich, you've been down with Terry. Down with Terry. Uh, I flew down to see Terry on Wednesday. The allotments uh, have completely, completely changed, and we did the, the podcast that, uh, what, that you goes mean out normally. And uh, no, no, the change in the sense <laughs> that it really is blooming. Oh, is it? Heather's radishes are growing. If that's any help, yes. Yeah. All right, fabulous. Yes. Well, that's good news. I'm going to... And those tomatoes I brought over for you, you've looked after? I've looked after them, Rich. I've watered them every day. Fab. And, and you've got your plants Megan. up in those wellies ready for the hay garden? I have. Excellent. Well, that's good news. Um, but anyway, Terry, on fine form, as per usual, and uh, I asked him for, for three tips, cajoled him into, into three interesting tips that, uh, that you wouldn't necessarily think of. And uh, in keeping with the peculiar season that we're having, really. Lovely. Let's have a listen. Well, I'm back with my old mate Terry Walton, and we've just finished the, the classic Walton podcast that's uh, featured on the on the Gardener's Click website. And uh, anyway, I've been quested with uh, extrapolating three top tips for this month from you, Terry. So, uh, I've so, never been, so I've never been extrapolated. <laughs> never been. Is yeah. that people? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you have. I mean, I've been extrapolated. <laughs> oh, right. you, you spent away from home. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, three top tips. Three, three top tips. Well, going to tax the memory. And the, it's the first, well, one thing that occurred to me is something that we were talking about now is that, that you've got uh, you've got some fantastic rhubarb growing in the allotment. One freshly planted uh, root this year has thrown a seed head already, already in in April. I know, and that's 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 an that's an August task. I mean, really, after you had several bunches of this and you you've sort of attacked it for quite a while, it says, oh, to hell with this. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to seed. He won't eat any more of me then. Yeah. And normally in August, up comes this massive eruption, this grotesque-looking thing that grows out the middle, <laughs> and that then saps the strength of the of the crown. So you mean you've got to you've got to get down to ground level, get a sharp knife, and remove completely that seed head because. Plant's job in life is to make seed, and once it's made seed, it's done its job, and the old crown will suffer. 
So you, you really need to get, if you see any sign of this, particularly this year, taking players, and we, we've wandered around, it seems to be prevalent on the allotments it completely. It's a wonderful thing though, isn't it, to look at. You know, you've got that wonderful, great sort of bulbous head that's just about to erupt from its little enclosure. And ultimately, it turns into a, a wonderful array of white, miniature white flowers. Oh, it? yeah, it is quite a, it's quite a, if, you, if you want a carnival looking show, then do it. But it, it doesn't do your crown a lot of good. It's like there were these things that they grow with flowers every sort of hundred years. And you see this <laughs> You want a rumor, you want the thing to eat for 100 years and then yeah. take a seed head out. Yeah. But for some unknown reason this year, but it's, it's done that. But we just can't afford to leave that there because it's. It, so you've got to get it out. You've so got to you down to ground year, level, sharp knife, right down to where it's coming out of the ground because it tends to be right at ground level. Right. Take it out and get rid of it straight away and keep a careful eye because it's had a taste of seed, you know, it may well fancy doing it again. So you may get another seed head come up. Okay. So it's always possible. Right, fabulous. Um, now the other thing I noticed, of course, your strawberries are looking wonderful. They're growing big and uh, and juicy, and there are even flowers appearing among them uh, as early as the middle of April this year. But what would you say for to be able to get allow people to get some a nice early feed off their strawberries? Well, again, they, if they don't come naturally, they're going to take quite a few more weeks. Take about eight to ten plants. Make a little cloche of those eight to ten plants. And that little bit of a microclimate, that little bit of extra warmth in the air will add greatly to those, those coming out much quicker. But beware, don't forget that these flowers have to be pollinated. No, no pollination, no strawberry. So during the day, take those, take those little fleeces off, little covers off, whatever you decide to use as a cloche, to allow the insects to pollinate. But any, as the evening comes in, it starts to go on a typical cooler April evening. Put the cloche back over, keep them nice and warm, warm and snug over the day. Whip them off again first thing in the morning on a decent day until the strawberries are formed. Once the strawberries are formed, you'll see the little strawberries forming there. You can leave the cloche on and that'll enable those to get ripened that much quicker. Right. So you, you, can, you can pinch three to four weeks on your strawberry crop. Leave the rest come on naturally, but get eight, about six to eight of these and just get a big greedy. I'm, I'm an early feed as soon as you can. Okay, fantastic. Right, and uh, and thirdly, the old parsnips. You know, people uh, people often say they struggle with uh, with parsnips. They struggle to uh, a to, to get them to germinate. And in recent years, you've you've suffered from a bit of canker. So, what would be your your tip for a bit of parsnip husbandry for this month? Well, my parsnips, again, they need a long season because bear in mind they are growing, you're not going to need a winter crop, you don't use your harvest for the frost. And again, if you're going to put them in, you're getting on the brink of not being able to do it now. But bore a, get, and get the old crowbar out, or get something decent length out, bore a hole in the ground, fill it with 75% compost and 25% horticultural sand, and then plant about five little seeds in the top of that. And again, once you've put them in, fleece clutch them, because and I, I do recommend you use fleece over, fleece over the top of these, even fleece seeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is fleece? Even fleece seeds. Because that, that, that is gonna, it's a wonderful medium that because it breathes the, the moisture comes through and on the sunny days the moisture travels back out so it keeps a nice warm damp atmosphere in there right. and these will come up on the damp side quicker right. and you can guarantee you've planted all these little stations along the way and you'll, you'll find that one or two of them will miss now my little backup for that is to take a little half seed tree a bit of, bit of kitchen towel on the bottom make it nice and damp sprinkle some seeds on the kitchen towel yeah. put another piece of kitchen towel on the top and make that nice and damp pop it in a, a warm place like the airing cupboard yeah. and within se- 7 to 10 days you see the little white tail coming out of the back end of the parsnip seed right get a couple of toilet rolls or empty toilet rolls and 
fill them with compost and plant two or three seeds in each of these toilet rolls and where these little gaps are then you can just open up the hole drop the toilet roll in and these will fill up the gaps and these parsnips would have caught up with the ones you planted in the ground right. and you can't grow enough in the, the airing cupboard to do all that but that way you can get a, a little gap filler and they will all be on an even keel those in the ground will take a while to come up even under the fleece whereas the toilet roll ones will come up much quicker so you've got to back up then to fill those gaps that don't occur fantastic Okay, and uh, and before I I, uh, I leave you, you're doing uh, doing a few talks and stuff like that. But where can the, the listener come and see you this year? Do uh, do talks? You're at Malvern Spring Show. I'm on Malvern on the Friday, Friday the eighth, and there to do a show. I think it's eleven o'clock in the morning. Right, doing a, sh- a show there. I'm up at Sandringham then at the end of July. I think it's the 29th of July. Right. And What's it, Sandringham? Uh, it's, it's the Royal Show with his HRH. Okay. Our Prince. He's, he's coming along. It's, the one, it's only a one-day show. Yeah. It's a specialised show, and I'm going along there as well to hopefully do a talk there okay. on organic growing, hopefully. That's, that's, the, that's the theme of the show. Yeah, yeah. And at the moment, I think then, then I'm doing a, a sh- for those people who are residing in the north of Wales at the moment, it looks at the 20th of August. I could be coming up to do one on the 20th of August up at Denby. So, okay. Yeah, so that one. I've just finished a, a rather gruelling weekend down at the RHS in Cardiff yep. where we produced that this went well, it, it went very well the Friday was a bit wet it was a, it was a miserable day Friday we got rather wet planting this edible border but come Saturday and Sunday the crowds came out the sun came out and it was absolutely fantastic time and we, we had some great fun on that it was a great show to do and people are very interested these days in not just growing flowers and vegetables but combining the two Right. We got, we're on a quest to get people to give up a bit of their lawn or make a little raised bed or start using containers around the place because right. everybody can have this can get this taste of fresh vegetables in the, in the smallest space possible even down to the fact that you may live in a 10 story flat and you only got a windowsill you can put a couple of herbs and a couple of salad plants in so this year is the year everybody's got to grow and taste their own and come down this time next year once they've got that taste for this homegrown flavour there'll be this massive demand and we'll overwhelm all these councils with a demand for allotments there'll be thousands of them out there next year looking for these allotments we <laughs> will be we won't have to import so. any food we're going to cure this credit crunch ourselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds perfectly reasonable to me alright I'm going to uh, going to head off now I'll speak to you anon ok it's been a great day again cheers to me cheers Next week's show, we are going to hear about my royal invitation. Oh, yes. Uh, We're going to hear about Richard and Rachel heading out early one morning to see curlews. Yep. Farmer Phil will no doubt have been streaking somewhere else. (laughs) Quite possibly. What was the name of that lass who went across the cricket pitch? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Erica Rowe. The Erica Rowe of Blakemere will be up to something or other. And we catch up with the hay garden. So I think it's goodbye from us this week. If you could possibly tell your mates to tune in, that would be raving handy. Because we could do with five more listeners. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye from me.